We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go episode 454 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, December 1st, 2022. As yes, a new month has begun. December has arrived. The final month of the year, the month of Christmas, the month of Hanukkah, the month of Kwanzaa, the month of playoff races in the NFL. And I am happy to say, that the Commanders, the Commanders, they are in a playoff race. Uh, They are in playoff contention. Heck, they are in possession of a playoff spot. And they have a big game this Sunday afternoon. Seven and five Commanders at the seven and four New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at one with the Commanders in possession of the NFC's third wild card spot, a half game ahead of the Seattle Seahawks and just a half game behind the Giants for the NFC's second wild card spot. Hello and welcome to December and hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Hey, thank you to everyone who has tweeted me about having listened to this podcast a bunch this year on Spotify. Spotify has notified you of how much time you have wasted listening to this podcast. Uh, Spotify every year now does this hashtag Spotify wrapped campaign in which Spotify tells people their most listened to podcasts of the year in terms of minutes. Uh, Well, I am very appreciative of all of the nice messages and screen grabs regarding you listening to this podcast on Spotify. A lot of ways to listen to this podcast. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher. Uh, If you ever have a problem with this podcast showing up on a platform, let me know. I actually don't control that. Uh, Not to bore you with the details, but I upload the podcast to a site that then sends out the podcast to all of these platforms. So usually if there's a problem with an episode of the podcast not showing up on a platform, that is on the platform, but not always. And still, I like to know about what's going on so I can get to telling these platforms to get their acts together, all right? Shape up or ship out. We have a lot of people who need their Washington, D.C. area sports fixes early each weekday morning, especially with the Commanders on a roll. Six wins in seven games, big game at the Giants this Sunday afternoon. Uh, We on Wednesday had the start of the Commanders practice week, and so I on the show have a lot for you on the Commanders. Next segment, I'll talk Commanders offense, including the quarterback situation. Uh, What is the plan for Carson Wentz for Sunday afternoon? Is he going to be active as the team's number two quarterback? Uh, I also have a fact-based compare and contrast of Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz. What is the truth about the Commanders being better off with Taylor as their starting quarterback this season as opposed to with Carson? I'm going to discuss that as well as a receiver who has thrived with the change at quarterback and a receiver who isn't thriving off the change at quarterback. I'll then talk Commander's defense. Head coach Ron Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon got into one of the best things about the Commander's defense this season, the emergences of young defensive backs. 
Safeties, Cameron Curl and Derek Forrest. Corner, Benjamin St. Juice. Uh, perhaps we now should add corner Kristen Holmes to that mix. And whereas the commander's great defensive line is predicated on multiple first-round picks, the secondary now features a number of standout day two slash day three picks from NFL drafts. Uh, that is particularly encouraging. Uh, I'm also going to get into one of the bigger concerns for the defense at the Giants on Sunday afternoon, the run thread that is Giants quarterback Daniel Jones. Also on the show, the Wizards. Uh, another road loss for the Wiz. Uh, they lost at the Brooklyn Nets 113-107 on Wednesday night. Uh, the Wiz did some good things, but not enough good things. Uh, and I'll talk Georgetown. Crazy game for the Hoyas on Wednesday night. A 79-65 loss at Texas Tech. The Hoyas cut a 23-point second-half deficit to one, but that allowed Texas Tech to end the game on a 17-4 run. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Payne Bradley, writes Payne. My name is Payne Bradley, and I have been a Redskins fan for all 19 years of my life. I am a freshman in college and am driving from my home in Greensboro, North Carolina to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where I attend the University of Alabama, and I listened to your podcast on the way back and forth. It was nice to see Tay-Tay drinking Bush Light, as this makes me <laughs> and my roommate feel better as we don't feel like total cheapskates now. Anyway, do you think the commanders need to get to nine or ten wins to get a wild card spot? P.S. If Heineke leads the commanders to the playoffs, my roommate and I would like my uncle, T-shirt Todd from Sports Extra, to make us a t-shirt with a Heineke cartoon that says, Isaacy, this is what we call Tay-Tay because he obviously has a bush ice in his veins. Uh, thank you for the email, pain. There ain't nothing wrong with bush light. I say that as someone who drank plenty of it at the University of Maryland. Uh, Miller Light is my go-to, but I've never had anything against Bush Light, and I don't get the hate on Bush Light. Uh, great question on nine or ten wins. I've been thinking a lot about that. The simple answer is that nine could do it, and ten would almost definitely do it. The key is going to be which games make up the wins. Sweeping the Giants would be massive, because those, of course, are double whammy games, a.k.a. the results for one team are the opposite results for the other team. And the Commanders right now are just a half game behind the Giants for the NFC's second wildcard spot. Sweeping the Giants wouldn't clinch anything for the Commanders, but boy, that might essentially clinch something for the Commanders. If the Commanders go just two and three the rest of the regular season, but the two wins are over the Giants, then that might be enough to get a wild card spot. But you'd obviously feel a lot better about 10 wins as opposed to nine. The Commanders to get to 10 wins would need to go three and two the rest of the regular season. That's certainly doable. But the Commanders for Football Outsiders have the, the seventh hardest schedule for the rest of the regular season in the NFL based on average DVOA of opponents. Uh, also, for Football Outsiders, the Commanders have a 61.5% chance of making the playoffs, and the Giants have a 50.4% chance of making the playoffs, even though the Commanders currently are a half game behind the Giants. Email from Thelonious Funk writes Thelonious, well, Galdi, what can I say about your boy Tay-Tay? It ain't pretty, but you can't argue with the overall results unless you want sustained success. After the season is over, I'm sure we'll be talking about how Ron's slow starts followed by winning streaks are not repeatable nor sustainable for yearly success. Uh, thank you for the email, Felonius. So two topics there. Regarding Taylor Heineke, yeah, the way that he's playing quarterback with all of these turnover-worthy plays and low completion percentage and low passing yardage games isn't a formula for sustained success. I don't know anyone who's arguing that that is a formula for sustained success. The hope is one of three things. A, Taylor somehow, someway continues the run of Taylor Heineke magic. Taylor Heineke Kavorka and the team keeps finding ways to win despite the passing offense not being in a great place. B, Taylor and the commander's passing offense truly get going. C, Carson Wentz, or I suppose Sam Howell, becomes the team's starting quarterback, and that ignites the passing offense. Taylor, Carson, and Sam 
are who you got right now at quarterback. Uh, there will not be any trades. There will not be any big free agent signings. There will not be any draft picks until the offseason. Uh, when, trust me, there is going to be a lot of conversation on this podcast and elsewhere about what the commander should do at quarterback. But for now, it's okay to just enjoy this and hope that one of the three scenarios that I just went through takes place. Uh, as for Rod Rivera starting off season slowly and then doing well, I tell you, that phenomenon really is something. And the phenomenon has lasted long enough to where it is a phenomenon. It's not just some quirky thing based on a small sample size. And there isn't a very good explanation for the phenomenon. Rod Rivera now, as an NFL head coach, is 57 and 39 in November, December, and January regular season games. Compare that with being 40, 48, and 1 in September and October regular season games. That is wild, man. 57 and 39 versus 40, 48 and 1. And yeah, I mean, this also is not something that is conducive to sustained success. Although at this point, this does appear something that is repeatable and that you basically can count on every season. Well, something else that you can count on is great work from real estate agent Kellen Hunt if you want to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, prices are coming down. Moody's Analytics is predicting an overall year-to-year housing price decline of 6% nationally and about a 10% fall from the price peak this past June. Housing prices are falling. Now, actually, is a very good time to buy a home, even with the increases in mortgage rates. You can always refinance when the rates come down, and they will. If you are looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, if you want to take advantage of the current marketplace, contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the current market, but he's not just some know-it-all. He is here for you to listen to you, to hear what you want, and then determine the best way of going about getting you what you want, no matter your age or situation in life. His website says it all, CloseItWithKell.com. Com. Kellen Hunt is a closer. Kellen Hunt will close you buying the home that you want. And Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yes, you, the buyer, get a piece of the action. If you are looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, if anyone who you know is looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, the name to know is Kellen Hunt. Take advantage of the current marketplace with Kellen Hunt. Visit Close It with Kel. Dot com. That's close it with Kel, K E L L dot com. Book your call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kel. Visit close it with Kel.com and tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Well, every team in the NFL, of course, deals with injuries. Uh, The commanders this season certainly have dealt with a good bit of injury. But how about what's going on with their opponent this Sunday afternoon? The New York Giants, 7-5 commanders at the 7-4 Giants Sunday afternoon at 1. We on Wednesday had the first injury report for the game. The report featured 7 commanders players and 15 Giants players. Now, I am not shedding any tears for the Giants, but yeah, they have been blasted by injury lately, although they could be getting some guys back for this game on Sunday afternoon. We'll see. Five of the seven Commanders players on Wednesday's injury report were offensive players. The most interesting development was this. Right guard Trey Turner did not practice on Wednesday. He was listed as dealing with knee and ankle ailments, and so practicing at right guard for the commanders on Wednesday was Samuel Cosme, as in right tackle Samuel Cosme. Now, the notion of Cosme being moved to guard has come up quite a bit this season. Uh, He, in each of the commanders' last three games, has been in this very unique rotation at right tackle with Cornelius Lucas. Uh, But A, Cosme still is recovering from a finger injury on his left hand. He was inactive for two consecutive games, weeks five and six. We on 
October 4th had multiple reports that Cosme had undergone thumb surgery that day, although he on Wednesday afternoon told reporters that he still only has full use of three fingers on his left hand. B, Cornelius Lucas is playing well at right tackle. Lucas, for the 2022 regular season through week 12, is number one among all qualified offensive tackles in the NFL in ESPN's run block win rate at 85%. And he has been the commander's highest graded offensive lineman for pro football focus for each of their last two games. Uh, Playing guard is easier than playing tackle. I don't want to say that it's easy to transition from tackle to guard in the middle of a season, but that can be done. And there's a belief with offensive line play, and I do subscribe to this belief, and the belief is that what you ideally do is just have your five best offensive linemen on the field and then figure out the positions, you know, because tackles can play guard. And if you're listing the commander's five best offensive linemen regardless of position, well, Cornelius Lucas and Samuel Cosme are among the five. Uh, By the way, the commanders on Wednesday morning designated guard slash center Wes Schweitzer to return to practice. Uh, Yeah, remember him. Uh, He has been on the reserve injured list since October 1st due to a concussion that he suffered in the loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field in week three. Also on Wednesday, receiver Dax Milne did not practice due to the foot injury that caused him to be inactive for the 1913 win over the Atlanta Falcons at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon. Running back Antonio Gibson was a limited participant in practice due to a foot issue. Tight end Logan Thomas was a limited participant in practice due to a rib problem. And center Tyler Larson was a limited participant in practice due to a shoulder ailment. As for the commander's situation at quarterback, uh, well, we know that Taylor Heineke this Sunday afternoon is set to be the team's starting quarterback for a seventh consecutive game. But what about Carson Wentz? Uh, He remains on the reserve injured list. The commander's now two Wednesdays ago, November 23rd, designated Carson to return to practice, beginning a 21-day window by the end of which the team needs to activate him to the 53-man roster or keep him on the reserve injured list for the rest of the season. He underwent surgery for the fractured right ring finger on October 17th. The belief was that he would be out for four to six weeks. Uh, Well, we are now past the six-week mark. Might Carson be activated to the 53-man roster this week in order to be Taylor Heineke's backup? For this Sunday afternoon, Commanders head coach Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon did a post-practice press conference. This was Ron on what the plan for Carson Wentz this week is. Well, we're going to continue to evaluate and go through some things. You know, we've got some personnel issues and everything that we've got to kind of sort through. So really won't make any decisions till Friday on, on guys. Okay, so obviously not a lot there from Ron Rivera on what the plan with Carson Wentz is. if. Carson isn't activated to the 53-man roster this week, though, you do have to think about some things. Uh, Number one, if Sam Howell truly isn't yet ready to play, then Carson continuing to be out is hurting the commanders because they're in the midst of a playoff push. They're playing some big games, and the team's best backup quarterback with Taylor Heineke as the starter, Carson Wentz, isn't available. I mean, Taylor, like every other player on the Commanders, could get injured at any time. Who his backup is matters a lot. Uh, Number two, perhaps the Commanders taking their time in activating Carson to the 53-man roster is a sign that the team is more confident in Sam Howell than previously thought. I mean, he now has been their number two quarterback for each of the last six games. Number three, is the Commanders taking their time in activating Carson to the 53-man roster, a function of him truly not being healthy enough to play? If so, what exactly is going on with his right ring finger? I mean, he suffered a fractured right ring finger in a game that, remember, he did finish the 12-7 win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football on October 13th. A fractured finger isn't like a torn shoulder or a torn knee. Uh, A fractured finger, in theory, involves a simpler recovery Why is Carson's recovery taking so long? And number four, is the commanders taking their time in activating Carson to the 53-man roster more so a function of Ron Rivera not wanting to activate Carson to the 53-man roster? If so, why? So all of these things are things to think about if 
the Commanders do not activate Carson Wentz to the 53-man roster this week, but it may well be that they end up activating him to the 53-man roster this week. Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz each now has started and played in the exact same number of games in the 2022 regular season, six. Uh, Taylor has Carson beat in a number of key statistical categories for the 2022 regular season. Uh, Taylor has the better total QBR per ESPN, 46.9 to 32.9. Taylor has the better DVOA for football outsiders, minus 6.7% versus minus 20.5%. Neither number is good. Jeez, minus 20.5%. I mean, that is terrible. Uh, Taylor has the better yards per pass attempt, 6.84 to 6.42. Taylor has the better yards per completion, 11.2 to 10.3. Taylor has the lower sack percentage, 5 versus 9. And, of course, Taylor has the better record, 5-1 versus 2-4. But what's also true is that Carson has the better overall grade for pro football focus, 63.1 versus 50.7. And what a lot of that is about is the extent to which Taylor has been guilty of turnover-worthy plays, which include interceptable passes. Uh, Taylor has thrown a lot of interceptable passes that, thanks to the Taylor Heineke magic, the Taylor Heineke Kavorka, uh, have been dropped by defensive players or just not intercepted for some other reason. There's also this, and it comes to us from NFL insider Albert Breer of SI.com in a mailbag column that came out on Wednesday afternoon. Quote, As far as Heineke, he has limitations, but it's important to have a player you can count on to make plays when it matters most. And I dug up some interesting numbers on that. Playing from behind with less than four minutes left, Wentz's QB rating this year is 83.6, while Heineke's is 118.8. And Wentz's rating when trailing period is 89.5, while Heineke's is 100.8. On third down, Wentz is better than Heineke in passer rating, 87.7 to 61.2. However, Heineke's stats actually jump in third and long. He has a 109.7 rating in third and seven to nine, and an 83.2 rating in third and 10 plus. Wentz is 118.8 and 66.9 in those categories. So if you add all this up and the belief the locker room has in Heineke, you can see why Rivera would want to roll with what's been working, at least for now. Rivera told me himself that this would be week to week, and it makes sense he'd handle it that way given how the team's playing, end quote. Now, the metric that Albert Breer uses in that passage, QB rating or passer rating, is a very flawed statistic. But I tell you, those comparisons do stand out, uh, as does Breer saying, quote, Rivera told me himself that this would be week to week, end quote. I do wonder if more of Carson Wentz this season would result in better play from Carson because the sample size of just six regular season games for him in the offense is small. And as much as people don't like to say this, he did play well in some of those games. He ultimately played well in the win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in week one. He played well in the second half of the loss at the Detroit Lions in week two. He played well in the loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field in week five. Now, he overall was not close to good enough, okay? Hear me loudly and clearly on that. But it's not like he was horrendous in every game. And he did face what are the top two pass defenses in the NFL. Through week 12 of the 2022 regular season, the Dallas Cowboys are number one in the NFL in pass defense per DVOA. And the Philadelphia Eagles are number two. But of course, Taylor also has faced that Eagles pass defense. You also have to factor in that the commander's rushing offense has been much better and leaned on much more since Taylor Heineke became the team's starting quarterback. How about this? Running back Brian Robinson Jr. is the highest graded qualified rookie in the NFL for pro football focus since week 10. Overall grade of 86.5. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. But there's no doubt the bottom line results for the commanders have been better with Taylor Heineke at quarterback than they were with Carson Wentz at quarterback. It's impossible 
to argue otherwise. And it also should be noted that the commanders for the 2022 regular season through week 12 are number 26 out of 32 NFL teams in passing offense per DVOA. The passing offense, regardless of who has been at quarterback, has not been very good. Taylor Heineke, of course, played a lot for Washington in the 2021 regular season, 16 games, including 15 starts. He, in the 2020 season, played in two games for Washington, including a start in the playoffs. Uh, Washington is the third NFL team on which Taylor has worked with Commander's Offensive Coordinator Scott Turner. This was Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on if he is seeing things from Taylor Heineke this season that are better than what Ron saw from Taylor last season because of Taylor's familiarity and experience with the offense. I, I believe so. I mean, you look at some of the decisions he make. They're making. He's making some quicker decisions. He's getting the ball out of his hands. Um, you know, and, and he's not taking the sacks and the hits that he's t- he took last year. Um, so you see, he's playing a, a smarter, quicker game, uh, which has been to the, to his benefit and and to ours as well. Yeah, and someone who really has benefited from Taylor Heineke being the commander's starting quarterback is receiver Terry McLaurin. The numbers are jarring. Since Taylor became the commander's starting quarterback beginning with Week 7, Terry has the following rankings among all qualified receivers in the NFL per pro football focus. Number 6 in receiving grade, 87.4. Tied for number 4 in contested catches, 8. Number 8 in explosive receptions, 12, and a catch rate of 100% on passes deemed catchable. (laughs) That, my friends, is production. Uh, However, a commander's receiver who has not thrived with Taylor Heineke as the team's starting quarterback is Jahan Dodson. Uh, Now, how much of that is injury is hard to say, but Jahan, over three games since returning from a five-game absence that was caused by a hamstring injury, has totaled two receptions for 27 yards on four targets. Yeah, that's it. And his playing time is way down as compared to where it was at early in the season. Rod Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on what's going on with Jahan Dodson. I think a lot of that has to do with what we're doing. Um, you know, it was mentioned that you know we're playing a little bit more 12 and 13 personnel, um, and that's by design. So it's going to cut some of those opportunities for Jahan. Um, he's still important and very integral into, into what we're doing, and he's you know he's developing and he's growing, and we all know he's he's got the potential to be a very very good player for us. And it's just a matter of time before you see him start getting some more opportunities. All right. Taylor Heineke on Wednesday afternoon did not do a post-practice press conference, but he did do a post-practice session with reporters. Uh, This was Taylor on John Dotson. Yeah, obviously we want to give him the ball more, but, you know, when we're running the ball like we're doing and what Terry's doing, um, you know, some guys aren't going to get the ball. You know, I kind of said this several weeks ago, um, when you have a bunch of weapons like this, someone's going to get, you know, shorthanded. And, you know, from week to week, it might be one person or another, you know. Um, You know, this year, for the most part, it's kind of been the tight ends. Um, But again, you know, Logan showed up against Houston. Um, So, you know, every week, you know, there's going to be a guy that doesn't really get the touches that, you know, he deserves. But, you know, that's, that's a good part about having all the weapons that we have. You know, what's crazy is that Jahan Dodson, even with him having missed five games due to the hamstring injury, even with him having been a non-factor over three games since his return, still leads the commanders in receiving touchdowns in the 2022 regular season with four. I mean, (laughs) boy, if that doesn't speak to the lack of overall success for the commanders passing offense this season, I don't know what does. And yet the commanders have won six of their last seven games. And up next, I'm going to talk about the biggest reason why the commander's defense, including maybe the most encouraging aspect of the defense, the rise of the secondary, thanks in large part to young defensive backs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The Commander's injury report for Wednesday for the game at the New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at 1 included just two defensive players on the Commander's 53-man roster, corner Benjamin St. Juice and edge defender Chase Young. Uh, Benjamin St. Juice did not practice on Wednesday due to the right ankle injury that caused him to be inactive for the 19-13 win over the Atlanta Falcons at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon. And Chase Young was listed as a limited participant in practice on Wednesday due to his recovery from a torn right knee that was suffered on November 14th, 2021. Uh, We, of course, still are waiting on Chase to make his 2022 season debut. One of the things to be thinking about with this Commanders-Giants matchup on Sunday afternoon is the run thread that is Giants quarterback Daniel Jones. Uh, No, he's not great as a passer, but yes, he can be very effective as a runner. And yes, he has done quite well against Washington in the past. Daniel Jones, over five career regular season games against Washington, has the following stats. Nine touchdown passes versus three interceptions, a yards per pass attempt of 7.28, a completion percentage of 68.35, and a record of 4-1. and one. And with Jones as a runner, he over his five career regular season games against Washington has 30 carries for 218 yards and a touchdown. 7.27 yards per carry. Washington faced Jones once last season, the 30-29 walk-off win over the Giants at FedEx Field on Thursday Night Football on September 16th, 2021. Jones in that game had nine carries for 95 yards and a touchdown. Now, of course, the commanders in their win over the Falcons faced a dual-threat quarterback in Marcus Mariota, and he hurt the commanders big time via read option runs. Mariota finished the game with six carries for 49 yards. This was Commander's head coach Rod Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon on if playing Marcus Mariota last Sunday afternoon was good prep for playing Daniel Jones this Sunday afternoon. I think so. I mean, when you watch some of the stuff that they do with with, with Daniel Jones and and knowing some of the things that that he's done in his past against us, I I think it really does help us. Um, You know, I will say one of the things that I I was real appreciative last week is really the adjustments we made going into the second half. I thought Jack and the staff did a nice job adjusting to to the way they were playing uh, with Marcus, Um, especially in that, that, that last drive when we eventually did get the turnover. There were a couple times when, you know, they tried to run quarterback keeps and we were all over it. Um, And I think that's important, you know, because it will carry over to this week. Yeah, and Daniel Jones is quarterbacking a Giants offense that has not been good lately, but does have some more than respectable rankings. Uh, The Giants for the 2022 regular season through Week 12 have the following rankings per Football Outsiders DVOA metric, number 16 in total offense, number 12 in passing offense, number 11 in rushing offense. The Commanders for the 2022 regular season through Week 12 have the following rankings per DVOA, number 11 in total defense, number 14 in pass defense, number four in run defense. A big reason for those rankings has been the play of the commander's secondary. Now, no position group has been better for the commander's defense this season than their defensive line has been, but the play of the secondary really has come on, especially when you consider the play of so many younger defensive backs. 
safety Cameron Curl, safety Derek Forrest, corner Benjamin St. Juice, who for that win over the Falcons was inactive due to the right ankle injury. And so Kristen Holmes played on 96% of the commander's defensive snaps in the game. Uh, this off him in this 2022 regular season, having played on a total of six defensive snaps. And all things considered, he did just fine. Uh, the commanders took Holmes in the seventh round of the 2022 NFL Draft out of Oklahoma State. Rod Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on the commanders this season, having gotten good production from young defensive backs. Well, I think they've done a really nice job with the development of our young guys. You know, really, I, th I think Chris and Richard and, and Coach Wieselmeyer and, and, and Christian um, have all really just kind of worked with that group. And, and you start seeing the growth and development of the young guys. Um, you know, playing Christian Holmes was, was really a, um, a decision that, you know, here's a young guy that's got some potential. He's got the kind of size you look for in a corner. And, you know, he had a, he had a pretty decent day. So, you know, we felt pretty good about that. And we've got some other guys that, you know, deserve opportunities, and it's all about their growth and development. And the people who Ron Rivera was talking about in that cut, defensive backs coach Chris Harris, assistant defensive backs coach Richard Rogers, assistant defensive backs coach slash nickel coach Brent Wieselmeyer, and defensive quality control coach Kristen Garcia. Uh, I, on Tuesday's show, episode 452, during a larger discussion about the rebuild under Ron Rivera, got into what I think is a very encouraging trend, the team hitting on day two and day three picks in NFL drafts, and on second and third tier free agent signings, and on waiver claims. These defensive backs who I just talked about, Cam Curl, the Redskins took him in the seventh round of the 2020 NFL draft out of Arkansas. Derek Forrest, Washington took him in the fifth round of the 2021 NFL draft out of Cincinnati. Benjamin St. Juice, Washington took him in the third round of the 2021 NFL draft out of Minnesota. Kristen Holmes, the commanders took him in the seventh round of the 2022 NFL draft out of Oklahoma State. More from Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on the developments of multiple young defensive backs for the commanders this season. Well, I think big part has to do with, with their learning. I mean, you know, kudos to our scouting department. You know, the last few years, uh, the guys that we've brought in, smart, bright football players, guys that get it and understand it. Um, and guys that will get on the field a lot sooner. And, and, and so far, we've been able to do that. Um, and so kudos to them. I, I think them going out on the road and spending time and, and, and taking the opportunity to, to, to visit with their coaches, their, their, their counselors, whoever they can talk with to try and get as much information about how quickly they learn, um, that helps us. And, and again, being able to do that. Secondly, I think our coaches' willingness to play young guys, to put young guys out on the field. I mean, if you can get young guys early in their career and get them on the field, that, that helps impact your salary cap. You know, now you can play young guys and, you know, it kind of changes the way you build your, your, your roster. Um, and the more young guys, more of your self guys, your own guys that you draft that you can keep and put on the field, I think that helps as well. So we've got to be really good, be really diligent with making sure we get guys that do understand. I learn quickly, um, don't have to get a lot of reps, have some position flex that we can move them around and put them in different positions. Um, that helps a lot. It really does. Specific to Derek Forrest, uh, what's notable about him is that unlike Cam Curl, Forrest did not make an immediate impact. Cam in his 2020 rookie season was good. Derek in his 2021 rookie season barely played. Uh, he was on the reserve injured list from September 1st, 2021 to November 2nd, 2021 due to a hamstring injury. Uh, Derek Forrest in the 2021 regular season played in just eight of Washington's 17 games and on a total of just 26 defensive snaps. And yet he in the 2022 regular season has played in all 12 of the commander's games and on 73.75% of the team's defensive snaps, and he, for the 2022 regular season, has an overall grade for pro football focus of 77.1. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Rod Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on the development of Derek Forrest. 
you know, Defoe started injured. Um, I don't know if you remember, but last year he was on the, uh, the injury report, I think the first four or five weeks, and then he came out and really made an impact on special teams. And one thing that, you know, in, in, in talking, you know, with, with, with Marty Herney and, and, and uh, Eric Stokes, you know, is that if you watch a guy on special teams, a young player, and you see some, some things that they do, uh, a lot of that translates you know, to to uh, what they're going to do on um, if they get their opportunity. You know, last year, De'Ami Brown did some really good things on special teams at the end of the year, and we started talking about his growth and development. Well, it was one of those things we saw because the special teams told us that this, this young man's got a chance. Well, Defoe was the same way. You saw his aggressive nature, the way he hustled, the way he took charge of the special teams um, and, and stepped up, and, and you see that. Um, in both Christian and Percy as two young DBs that are out there and they're playing gunners and, and, and they're, they're tough blocks. And when you see that with guys, that, that's a pretty good thing, pretty good deal. Yeah, Christian Holmes for the 2022 regular season is number two on the commanders in special team snaps, 72.5%. Safety Percy Butler is number four at 58.75%. What's so nice about these young defensive backs, too, is that they offer wait for it, position flex. Position flex. Yes, Ron, position flex. Uh, Benjamin St. Juice, he can play both outside corner and slot corner. Cam Curl, Derek Forrest, Percy Butler, all of those guys are safety and Buffalo nickel options. Uh, An older defensive back, Bobby McCain, a guy who at this point you have to say has been a successful second slash third tier free agent signing. Uh, He can play free safety. He can play strong safety. He can play slot corner. Ron Rivera was a linebacker, right, for the Chicago Bears from 1984 through 1992. This was Ron on Wednesday afternoon on if 1985 Ron Rivera would be surprised at what we're seeing with NFL defenses in 2022. I think it's a little bit of the evolution of football. I mean, I would be surprised as heck um, back in the day. But, you know, with the way things are evolving and changing, you have to adapt. I mean, the, the thing that, that that's really interesting is we were one of the first teams to do it in Carolina. I'm bringing that up again. Um but we did it with a linebacker, Shaq Thompson, who we, we moved to the nickel position because coming out of Washington, he had played running back at one time and he had played safety. So we knew he had a really good skill set, and so we were able to match that. But finding a guy like him at the linebacker position is hard. So then you got to find you know a safety that can come down. When you got guys like uh, like Cam that, that understand – you know, he's a big body. He gets it. He can come down and play it. And then you take a guy like Bobby and go, well, Bobby's a little bit smaller, but Bobby's a very physical player. Um, and he understands run fits as well. And he's a, he's a dynamic player that knows how to fit. That makes a difference. And so you can do that with those kinds of guys um, and be able to, to, to hold up. And, I, and, and quite honestly, it, it doesn't hurt having the, the, the defensive line playing the way they are right now, too. No, it doesn't. Uh, by the way, <laughs> how great was Ron Rivera in that cut saying, quote, we were one of the first teams to do it in Carolina. I'm bringing that up again. <laughs> End quote. Someone must have told Ron that he constantly brings up his time as Panthers head coach, or Ron must have heard or read the criticism that he constantly brings up his time as Panthers head coach. And of course, he does constantly bring up his time as Panthers head coach, but he recently seemingly has been a lot more cognizant of mentioning his time with the Panthers. And I say that because I've noticed that Ron has been saying things like, my previous stop or my previous team. Like, he doesn't want to say the word Carolina or the word Panthers. The, the thing that, that, that's really interesting is we were one of the first teams to do it in Carolina. I'm bringing that up again. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's okay, Ron. That's okay. We forgive you. Well, the Wizards now are just three and seven on the road versus being eight and four at home. Uh, they fell to eleven and eleven overall uh, with a one thirteen one oh seven loss at the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday night. Uh, the Wizards at the end of the third quarter trailed by just three points at eighty seventy seven, but the Wizards ended up trailing for the entire fourth quarter uh, during which the Wizards allowed the Nets to begin the quarter 
on a 25-17 run. Uh, still no Rui Hachimura for the Wizards. He remained out due to right ankle soreness. Also, DeLon Wright remained out due to a grade two right hamstring strain that he suffered in a 120-99 win over the Detroit Pistons at Capital One Arena on October 25th. This was a very mixed game for the Wizards in terms of defense and offense. The Wizards' defense, very mixed. Uh, the Wizards' paint defense was good. The Wiz helped the Nets to just 16-35 shooting in the paint, but the Wizards allowed the Nets to go 11-26 on threes, and the Wizards got worked by PG County native and perhaps future Commander's minority owner, who knows, Kevin Durant. Uh, he, in 36 minutes, 52 seconds as a starter, scored 39 points. Never a good thing when you allow a player to score more than a point per minute. Uh, Durant on Wednesday night, two or three on threes, 11 of 17 on twos, and 11 of 11 on free throws. He also had five assists versus one turnover and five rebounds. And the Wizards' offense on Wednesday night was very mixed. Now, the Wizards did go 29 of 55 in the paint and outscored the Nets in the paint 58-32. You love that. But the Wizards went just 6 of 24 on threes, and the Wizards went just 23 of 34 on free throws as compared to the Nets going at 24-26 on free throws. So the Wizards had eight more free throw attempts than the Nets had, but got outscored by the Nets on free throws 24-23. And all of that stands out in a game that the Wizards ended up losing by six points, 113-107. This was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on the Wizards' performance in this game. You know, KD averages 30 a game. And, you know, he and uh, Kyrie are going to take the lion's share of the, uh, of the shots. So you know at some point it's going to come down to those two. Uh, you minimize some of the other guys, I think it, you know, helps give yourself a chance. You know, and he's, he's you know, MVP level player for a reason. Um, you know, he gets to a spot and raises up. You know, if you don't get the ball out of his hands, it's, it's pretty much make or miss. Uh, so... We did some good things, I thought, you know, uh, obviously got a rhythm um, of getting the ball out of his hands late, you know, but you, you got so much shooting on the floor, you, you know, you commit two to the ball and you're scrambling, um, but you, you have to give him a different look. So uh, in general, you know, I, I thought we did some good things on both sides of the ball. You know, obviously you come up short and you leave 11 free throw, you know, attempts, um, you know, that that's tough because those are free points. So. Uh, there were some possessions late where, you know, you turn it over, um, you know, and they capitalize, you know, 14 turnovers, thankfully only 12 points, but those are valuable possessions. Um, and you want to minimize that and make sure we're at least getting a shot to the rim. Um, didn't shoot it great, but I, I, I did think we did some good things as far as process, creating action against their switches. Um, so it's, it's growth. Yeah, well, the Wizards losing by six points at the Nets on Wednesday night. It was growth uh, based on what happened the last time that the Wizards played the Nets. A 128-86 loss to the Nets at Capital One Arena on November 4th. The 42-point margin of defeat made that the worst regular season home loss in Bullets slash Wizards history. So, no, the Wizards did not get humiliated on Wednesday night, but... Uh, that's kind of sad that that's the bar. Hey, we didn't get humiliated, so that's growth. Uh, what also stood out about the Wizards' loss at the Nets on Wednesday night was how top-heavy the Wizards' scoring was. Bradley Beal, Chris Amps, Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma combined for 77 of the Wizards' 107 points. Uh, the Wizards got way too little from guys not named Bradley Beal, Chris Amps, Porzingis, or Kyle Kuzma. And, you know, Beal and Kuzma were not very efficient. Beal, in 38 minutes, 41 seconds as a starter, went just 1-6 on threes and just 6-9 on free throws. And he committed five turnovers. He did go 8-14 on twos, did finish with 25 points, six assists, and five rebounds, including three offensive boards. Kyle Kuzma in 39 minutes, 45 seconds as a starter, went just to two of eight on threes, just eight of 17 on twos, and just three of four on free throws. He finished with 25 points, four rebounds, and three assists versus one turnover. Chris Tapps Porzingis was very good. He in 37 minutes, 31 seconds as a starter, went two of three on threes and six of 11 on twos. He did go just nine of 14 on free throws, but he finished with 27 points, 19 rebounds, including four offensive boards, two blocks, 
and no assists versus two turnovers. Next up for the Wizards at the Charlotte Hornets, Friday night at 7. Well, give Georgetown credit for this. The Hoyas on Wednesday night staged a furious comeback effort, but they ultimately did lose. Uh, Georgetown fell to 4-4 four and four overall with a 79-65 loss at Texas Tech in the Big 12 Big East battle. Uh, Georgetown for this game was a 16.5-point underdog per multiple shops. The Hoyas in the second half trailed by 23 points at 56-33. The Hoyas did then go on a great 28-6 run to cut their deficit to one point at 62-61, but the Hoyas then allowed Texas Tech to end the game on a 17-4 run. Uh, Georgetown so far this season has had so many wild swings in games, a lot of blown leads, but at least on Wednesday night, you did have a big comeback attempt. Uh, although, of course, what made the big comeback attempt possible was the Hoyas being down by 23 points. Uh, the Hoyas got killed on the boards. The Hoyas got out-rebounded by Texas Tech 41-23. The Hoyas had just six offensive rebounds to Texas Tech's 13 and thus just six second-chance points to Texas Tech's 18. Also, the Hoyas got outscored in the paint 38-16. And speaking to all of this was a bad game for Maryland transfer Kudis Wahab, uh, who had transferred from Georgetown to Maryland. Uh, boy, could the Hoyas have used some more from Akutis on Wednesday night. He played for just 13 minutes as a starter. He went scoreless on 0-4 shooting, all twos, and had just two rebounds. Uh, the biggest bright spot for the Hoyas was USC Upstate transfer Bryson Mazzone. He, in just 21 minutes off the bench, went 4-7 on threes and 3-3 on twos, had 18 points, and had two of the Hoyas' six offensive rebounds. Did have no assists versus two turnovers. Uh, also, LSU transfer Brandon Murray was back. He returned from a two-game absence caused by injury. He, in 36 minutes as a starter, went two of six on threes and six of seven on twos, had 18 points and three rebounds, but he also had two assists versus six turnovers. The Hoyas committed 18 turnovers. Texas Tech finished with 19 turnovers. Next up for Georgetown, home to South Carolina this Saturday at noon. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 455, will feature in-depth preview of the 7-5 Commanders at the 7-4 New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at 1. We on Thursday expect to hear from Commanders offensive coordinator Scott Turner and defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio via post-practice press conferences. A welcome on a man who knows the Giants exceptionally well, Giants insider Paul Dettino of WFAN in New York and MSG Network in New York. He has covered the Giants since 1983. Uh, I'll give my rhyming keys for a commander's win, and I'll give you a prediction for the game. Also on Friday's show, I'll talk Capitals. The camps are at the Seattle Kraken Thursday night at 10. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. The, the thing that, that that's real interesting is we were one of the first teams to do it in Carolina, I'm bringing that up again. Um.